0: writing those hard times, the traumatic events, was easy. The hard part hit me with the insidious thing, and that was my own self abandonment. When I stopped listening to what I knew to be true and I started doing what I call now going with the
1: flow. Are you a mom with a story to tell but not sure where to start? Publishing a book is kind of overwhelming. Now throw kids and babies into the mix and you got a lot going on, but that doesn't mean you can't build yourself a thriving author life. My name is Jackie and I'm a mom and an indie author and I'm here to show you how step-by-step step, to get your books written, published, and sold, even if the only time you actually have to write is during your toddler's afternoon nap. It's time to write like a mother with these moms right hey moms it's jackie have you ever stopped to really consider why you write or why you are drawn to writing today's guest is brooke smith a life and writing coach mom and children and nonfiction author who specializes in helping writers achieve personal transformation through writing brooke has overcome a lot of challenges in her own life and shares how one of the worst of those the death of her mother inspired her to stop going with the flow, stop abandoning herself, and eventually led her to where she is now, helping other writers and women do the same. Please welcome Brooke Smith. Hi, Brooke. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Jackie. I'm so thrilled to be here. So you are a mom and a life coach and a published author and a book coach. Am I missing anything? Well, actually,
0: I don't claim myself to be a book coach um, because some of my clients um, aren't in it to write a book. They're doing screenplays or they just want to get their words on a page um, for their own intentions. So I, I claim myself to be a writing coach,
1: yeah. So I wanna, I wanna get into all of that um, because I think it's really exciting. I've talked to a few co- writing coaches, but I think uh, your your journey is really unique, especially combining the life coaching. And I did read your story on your website. So I thought a really great place would be to start would be that bathroom floor that you write about.
0: Yeah, so 2016 um, was the hardest year of my life, which is saying something because I've kind of been through the ringer throughout my life. Um, My mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and passed away three months later. And it was right around this time that we had just planned all of these things to happen together. Mm -hmm. And, um, She had just retired, she was moving nearby. I had been emancipated when I was 16. So I had been out on my own since 16 and now she was gonna be near me and we had all these plans and then she passed away. My bathroom floor moment really um, inspired me to rebuild everything I knew to be true. And I didn't know how to do that. And I don't think anybody really does. And you don't know that you're not really satisfied in your life until something like this happens to you. And so, um, her death ended up being one of the greatest gifts she ever gave me. And I sunk into myself and started just following all the things that felt like a yes to me. I ended up going to different events, hearing people's stories and all of these things just started coming together for me. And so I restructured my life following just those yeses then I found life coaching. And if you had asked me three years ago what life coaching was, I would have thought it's some crazy kind of woo-woo weirdness that I don't (laughs) want any part of, you know? And um, however, I discovered it through a book that was recommended to me. And at that time, like I said, everything that landed in my lap was just kind of like, is it a yes or is it a no? And this was a full body yes. And so I read this book by Martha Beck called Fearing by Starlight. And the friend who recommended it said, just do the activities. They're really weird. Just do them and get through it. And I promise you, your life will change. And he was not wrong. Um, My life shifted. And so right, right after that, I ended up going on a retreat with a Martha Beck trained coach on Maui. And had a fabulous time, learned so much about myself. I was able to release all of the anger and bitterness and resentments that I was holding through the loss of my mom. Um, And that was just all part of the experience. So then I signed up for life coaching and was super excited. You know, my entire being was just everything I was doing was, again, following those yeses. One night I came home um, from being out with some friends and my husband presented me with a divorce letter. I knew things weren't perfect, you know, but I had no idea we were on that track. So it was really a shock to me. And that weekend I spent with some friends, we went camping and hiking and I just kind of tried to absorb the idea, you know, that I was getting a divorce. And when I came back on Monday morning, I was okay. And what I realized is that that bathroom floor moment from 2016 had been the foundational restructuring of my own self. And when I was able to rely on myself and I I knew how to do that now, nothing else was going to break me down again, not any, not even a divorce. And so we navigated the divorce beautifully. It was amicable. Um, And even on our way up the steps, the courthouse together. We were walking them together. Um, he pointed out my ex-husband did a caterpillar that was walking up the, that was like crawling up the steps. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so perfect. Like, I just feel like, you know, everything is new and fresh and I'm rebuilding myself. So I went through the coach training after that divorce and it was life changing. I just finished in December, the master coach training. And, um, where the coach training gave me all of the tools that I needed to learn how to coach the master training forced me to implement them in my own life yet again. Um, but there was no more, like no more saying no to the tools, like no more mind blocks, no more of these limiting beliefs. When you face them, you get through them, you get coached, you get whatever it is you need. And, um, so again, I was able to like restructure my life and so, through that process, you know, I've always been able to untangle people from their writing blocks. Um, I think that when we're writing, there's something so deeply personal to what we're expressing that a lot of times, because it is so personal, we don't even know why either we're writing or we're not writing. And when we're not writing, those are my people. So, I help authors who have had this book idea in their mind for years and they haven't been able to place it on a page for whatever reason. And oftentimes they'll say something like, um, "You know, well, my kids are little or um, I'm really into my job right now or things like that. But really when you're not doing the thing that you say you want to be doing, there's always something deeper going on. And so that's what I do is find out what that deeper thing is. And even if you're only spending five minutes a day writing, you're still doing it. So then I get my clients to actually start
1: doing the writing. I've interviewed a few writing coaches, and I think a lot of them come at it from a love of writing, uh, a love of editing, and and working with the whole person too. But you know their experiences are first based in writing, whereas I feel like yours is really focused on the person first. Is that pretty unique in in the field of writing coaching? That's what I'm starting to understand. Yeah. You
0: know, I've been hearing it when you like the whole book coaching thing. I'm like, "Mm, I really don't like that term for me. I think it's really appropriate for most writing coaches, but for me, yeah, we're untangling all the life stuff that, you know, stops you from doing the thing. Writers write They just do it. You know, it's something kind of, you know, it's chosen you. It's not something you've chosen like any arts. And when it comes to writing, though, because it's so deeply personal and they're your words and your thoughts, and oftentimes, you know, it'll be a biography or a memoir that I'm helping somebody write, they're facing these things that they aren't aware they're going to be facing. And so even to start typically comes to me like, I don't even know where to start you know, and it's like, well, open up a blank screen, open up a blank page and just stare at it for a few minutes and see what comes. And, um, through that, they start the process, you know, and yeah, it is a lot more life coaching stuff, untangling the things that are blocking you, but then also finding joy through the process too. So like, if this doesn't feel good to you, what is it that you're facing? That doesn't feel good, and let's adjust that. Let's make it better. Let's um, work with rewards, or you know, what is it that you're writing about that doesn't feel good, or what is it in your life that's stopping you? Are your people supportive, like the, like you need them to be, or do you need to start working through boundaries with them? There's a lot of that deeper inner work that's going alongside my coaching.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I love this because. Uh, lately, I've, I've been thinking about myself and I'm wondering, am, am I having a midlife crisis? Is that why I'm writing right now and podcasting and like doing all of these, like throwing all of these creative projects at myself? And so I love that you're talking about it from this very like finding alignment perspective, because I feel like that is such a, a gift with writing is that it? it's not just the book that you're creating, but it, it's transforming your life. Like, I feel like it really does have that potential.
0: Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes what I, I'll start my clients off um, asking them what their dream writing scenario is and what their dream goal is. And I'd say nine out of 10 people will start with saying, you know, I just want to travel the world and make a million dollars. And, um, <laughs> Which is lovely. That's a great idea. And we know, well, I, in my experience, and once we are able to dig a little bit deeper, it's never about the money. It's never about the travel. It's typically something innate, more um, intrinsic inside of you that's trying to get out. And you don't even know what that is yet. And Mm -hmm. so through coaching, I'm able to tap into that too. By defining that feeling state that you want to have. So there's the feeling of opening up your books, but then what are you going to do with them? You know, and that's where like the deeper meaning comes into play. And it's really fun to watch the shock and awe that many of my clients face once they realize that there is something else, you know, it's about connection or it's about telling, you know, my grandmother's story or, um you know, relaying to my kids, their heritage,
1: something like that. Like there's all, there's always something a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And what about your own story of publishing? So you have, uh, I think it's two children's books out. I actually have three children's books three.
0: and I'm in a compilation as well. So my first one was Brindley discovers Santa. And um, I wrote that while I was a stay at home mom and, you know, bored, <laughs> Essentially, I was very bored. (laughs) I had a seven-year-old child and, um, and an infant at the time that I first started writing that book. And, um, you know, so I just started putting words on a page and over the years, I just kept doing it, you know? Um, I don't know. I think that book was written, gosh, must have been written in like 2006, 2007. And finally, I published, I think, in 2015. And um, so that was the first, and that was like the catalyst, right? So I, I had written that, and then I just started writing other things. And I started working for a library, and, and I started learning about the publishing process and getting really curious like, how does this stuff land on a shelf? You know, how do we do that? Um, so then in my spare time, I started researching publishing and I just started, um, you know, using the writer's market and honing in on the publishers who wanted to publish certain stories. So I had, um, Bradley discover Santa by that time I had also written the mango tree. Um, and then there were some others that I just started pushing out to publishers. Um, and I was speaking to their goals, you know, so when they were talking about Christmas books, I'm like, here you go, here's a Christmas children's book. And then anything that didn't fall into that, I just didn't pay attention to. Um, I didn't even try to um, to get published through them. Of course, you know. And it seems obvious, but I think a lot of people have like this idea: like I really want to be published through Penguin or whatever, and then they go for that, and they're being denied simply because you you're not meeting their goals. Mm. So I navigated the publishing process through that. Um, I landed a contract within a few months and that was such a fun experience. Like I just, I loved every part of it and learned so much about royalties, about, you know, publishing and distribution and copyright laws, LCCN and all those things. And, um, about a year and a half after I was published through them, they went bankrupt And so they contacted me and asked me if I'd like to buy my book back. And of course I said, yes. And so I bought it back and they emailed me, I think the PDF and I stuck it on the thumb drive and put it in a drawer. And it sat there for about six or eight months. And then one day I stumbled upon it and I just thought, what am I gonna do with this? (laughs) And so I got onto Amazon and um, researched there. And within three days, I was able to self-publish my book again under my own company's name. So I had opened up a company as well. And, um, and then I was making sales again and I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is possible. So then I started looking at my other writings. What can I do with these? This is kind of fun, you know? And so I started reaching out to, I went to upworks.com and found some illustrators, interviewed them and started working with, um, with another illustrator and got more books published. And I did it all myself at this point because I was preferring the self-publishing route. Um, there were certain hiccups that came alongside traditional publishing that didn't feel right to me. Like, For instance, I wanted to do readings in my library and bookstores and things, and any of those had to be set up through my publisher. I couldn't represent my book or the pub, you know, or the publishing house without their approval. Oh, so that was one hiccup that I was like, "Mm, I'd rather set these up myself, you know? So, um, I continued with the self-publishing route and really enjoyed it. Cause then I'm, now I read to all the classrooms in my town, um, each year (laughs) and I, you know, and that's really where it comes, where the, like, where the big why is for me. Um, I like connecting with those kids. And when I go into a classroom, of course, I'm not making a single sale, you know. but I'm talking to these kids and I'm watching their inspirations. And it's really fun to connect with them on that level. So that's my big why. Um, I'm not into marketing at all. And so I don't really market my books, (laughs) Um, which is a deterrent for sure, because I'm sure I could be selling a lot more, but that's not where it's at for me. So I'm just- Mm floating along, um, doing the parts that I love, you know, I love writing. I love the connecting. Um, so then my, the fourth book that I was represented in was it it's through a vanity publishing company and they put out compilations a few times a year. And that title is inspirations. And, um, so that one was about an experience that I had on a, in a labyrinth, on that retreat in Maui, back when I was first being introduced to Martha Beck. And um, it was all about my untangling that anger and the bitterness and resentments that I was holding through my grief and really recognizing what grief is and understanding it. And um, so that story is represented in that published book too. That's number four but my favorite is called The Tortoise and the Flare. And that one came to me in a dream. I woke up one morning just laughing out loud and I'm like, I've got to get this story on paper. And it's really interesting (laughs) because that one is about a tortoise who suffers from depression. And um, the fact that I was able to just laugh the whole way through writing it um, really spoke to me. And I've had quite a few adults actually come and tell me that that book has helped them to untangle what it means to feel depressed. And, um, they were like, have you, you know, I've had people ask me, have you suffered from depression? And I can't say that I have, I've been sad, but I have not suffered from depression, but they said that I really nailed what depression is through those Mm. pages. And, um, so that one's actually my favorite to read to classrooms too, because those kiddos, they they can resonate with what it feels like to be sad and how to you know sit with somebody who is sad and um, how to sit with themselves when they're sad. So it's interesting because my books are written for children, but really they're all ages books. The Mingo Tree is about growth. Tortoise and the Flare is about depression. Brindley discovers Santa is transitioning from being the receiver to being the giver while still holding Santa in, you know, in your tradition. So you don't have to get rid of Santa. Um, and then also I think it helps us all understand why we use these things, you know? Why sometimes we feel like we need to hide away when we're feeling sad. Why, um, you know, what it feels like to grow and experience new things in the mango tree. And then with Brinley Discover Santa, um, why it is that we even use Santa Claus with our kiddos. You know, so I touch on
1: all of those kind of experiences in those books. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I, I, I did, it's interesting they talk about, like, the transformation that you went through personally, uh, because I have, I spoke to another author who mentioned, like, that when she, you know, separated from her partner and, you know, had to explore her own, you know, internal landscape and, and find her own grounding that it actually really impacted her writing and gave her more clarity. And like, she knew how to end this book and she gained all this insights. Like, so you went through, a, you know, quite a profound transformation as just, uh, you know, a person. And did, do you find then that impacted your writing in, in any way? It's funny that you should say that because um, I didn't write for a while. And
0: then when I started the master coach training last year through Martha Beck, one of my goals was to write down my autobiography. And so I started it in March and, um, (laughs) and that was a really profound experience. Yes, the, the transformations that, That I've noticed in my writing. So, the autobiography, you know, it's start to finish. It's I'm born here, and now here I am today. Um, And all the ups and downs that go along with it. And what was really revolutionary to me, well, there were quite a few things in that book that were (laughs) revolutionary. But one of the things that I found interesting is that I was, when I would write about my traumas, I thought those would be really difficult to sit down with and and face on paper. And they were not. These are stories that I've told probably a thousand times to therapists, to coaches, to friends, to loved ones, to, you know, just to get myself through it. Um, So I, you know, I'm talking like molestations and earthquakes and house fires, homelessness, all of these things I thought would be really difficult to write through. And they were not. It was just telling a story again. What ended up being really um, interesting was, so I started in March. In August, I looked back at my writing progress journal. Like I write how many words I've written you know, each day. And I looked at my journal and I noticed in August, I had only written for three days that whole month. And I was like, whoa, what happened? I was in shock. I'm like, you know, and I of course, like that month I had found... I need to paint my bathroom this month or like all of these discussions because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we do that when we're writing about tough things. And so when I realized that I was like, Oh, something's happening. What's going on? So I met with my own writing coach and she asked me, she said, well, what are you writing about? And I was like, good question. So I looked back through what I was writing about and it happened to be, um, right around the time I was starting to date my now ex-husband. And what I realized through that coach call is that when I started dating him, I pretty immediately abandoned myself. I started listening to what everybody else was telling me. He's a really great guy. You should, you know, continue seeing him. Oh, you should marry him. I had a child at the time. And um, so my family was all on board with this guy. And they were, I ended up feeling tainted, you know, whether or not that's actually what they were saying to me, um, mm-hmm. whether or not that was true, I'm not sure, but what I was feeling is that I was tainted and that I had to stick with this guy. And so um, I did for 18 years and throughout, throughout those 18 years, I continuously abandoned myself when I noticed mistreatments or untruth or, um, whatever was coming up around him, I stuck with it because I didn't believe I had it in me to leave. And, um, you know, those are those limiting beliefs. And so um, when I noticed that that's where I stopped writing my autobiography, it was like, holy cow. Okay, I get it. And so then I just started writing. I cranked it out. I got 208,282 words written between March and what was it, uh, December fourteenth, wow. when I finished the first draft of my uh, autobiography, and I know that's way too much, <laughs> way too big for any book about oneself, but I'm like, it's all there.
1: Everything mm-hmm. is
0: there, and um, and I was able to untangle that limiting belief to get myself through the writing process. So, um. Hmm. Yeah, those are the kind of things that, you know, I've coached through, but when I fe- when I faced it myself, it was like profound and revolutionary. And when I ended up typing, I remember the moment I was writing 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 and I typed the word epilogue. And I was like, "Oh, so this is where it ends." Like I wasn't, you know, I guess when you're a writer, you have those moments, you know, you're like, "Oh, wow, that sentence is profound or whatever. But this one, when I typed epilogue, I was like, wait, okay, am I really done? Oh my gosh. And then I just closed my eyes and allowed the epilogue to flow. And what I wrote was that I I wrote about my writing process. And I said that, you know, writing those hard times, the traumatic events was easy Hmm. because all that was, was survival. I was just taking the next step forward. That's all that was. You don't have a choice when you're surviving. You just go. The hard part hit me with the insidious thing. And that was my own self abandonment. When I stopped listening to what I knew to be true and I started doing what I call now going with the flow. Mm. But when you're going with the flow, you're not making choices for yourself. You're just going with whatever is present in front of you. And, um, So I had to reclaim myself. So that happened through the process of writing my autobiography.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like, in fact, the writing itself helped you with the the life work. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And as soon as I was able
0: to recognize it, I started noticing it everywhere. All the moments when I'm suffering from self-doubt or... Somebody would say something to me, like, um, they, they tell me something like I'm jealous or something. And I would own that word, you know, like, oh, maybe I am jealous. I'm not jealous. Like, that's not what's happening here. What's actually happening is I'm standing up for myself and you don't like it and you're calling it the thing. And oftentimes we believe that. And so there's like all of this untangling that has to happen Mm. around each of those events, you know, and, um, yeah, writing my autobiography really was like the catalyst for my own. Um, I don't want to say perseverance or strength, but, you know, really discovering like
1: what I believe to be true about myself. You know, putting your coach hat on. So what do you find for your clients are big tanglers there's quite a few different things that people will say.
0: They'll come to me and say, "I don't really know how to start this," or um, "Is my story really worth anything? Does anybody want to hear it?" I don't know what I'm doing. I've researched publishing. I'm really confused. You know, all of these little—I um, call them—those are the blocks. You know, but when you dive underneath that and you find out, like, well, what is it? What's your intention? What do you actually want to be writing? And typically the hard things, you know, I don't, I don't coach a lot of fiction writers because they're just sort of writing what's on their mind. I mostly what comes to me are people who, you know, want to write about a deeply personal thing. Mm. Um, And so when we find out what that thing is that they want to write about, there's a lot of limiting beliefs in, in that topic. And they're just not recognizing it as that they're saying, I don't know how to do this, but actually it's, you know, you're going to be writing about, um, you know, going off into the military or doing something that was a really profound thing for you. And you're still dealing with the repercussions of that decision. And so once again, like there lies that either abandonment or self-reflection that you're trying to tap into and get people I'm trying to get people moving out of that. And so, um, you know, a lot of my coaching is very somatic. It's body centric. And so I tap into, you know, what does this feel like when you're writing about that? And how can we take that out? You know, and when I say feel like I'm not talking emotions, I'm talking sensations. So this feels like a heavy weight, a burden in my chest. It feels like a brick or you know, and I get them to really explain it as if, as if it's an object. And then what happens if you take that out and put it on the table in front of you? What's there now? And it's amazing the relief that you can feel just by imagining taking it out and putting it in front of you. And um, so there's like a lot of that untangling, you know, And um, and through that process, you're able to recognize like how much control you have over yourself, your environment, your emotions, your you know, you don't have a whole lot of control around the situations you find yourself in, but you do have control over your thoughts and you do have control over your behaviors. And so how can you, um, you know, while you're navigating this whole writing process, how can you bring this into fruition in your own life? How can you move forward feeling good um, and making choices that feel good to you while you're navigating this writing process. And the writing is just sort of the, um, you know, if you're going to crack an egg, <laughs> like you just <laughs> crack it open
1: and you're noticing things as you're cracking it open. So the, is the writing the, the cracking or is it the, the yolk that comes out? I would say the writing is the cracking
0: and then the yolk that comes out is the work that I do with the clients.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, so it's the insidious thing, the thing that's inside of you that you don't know is there, and you're noticing it because now
1: you're writing. Wow, so yeah, you really are, it's not just about the, the end products you're coaching, it's really yeah. about the, the process, but maybe the end product is what brings them to you. They think this is, I want to write a memoir about, yeah. well, I wrote a memoir, <laughs> about being in the Japanese fashion industry, for example. But maybe if I had worked with you, that I would have explored myself in a deeper way. So at the end, I wouldn't just have this manuscript, but I would actually have this different way of being in the world.
0: That's exactly right. And that's why I don't call myself a book. Mm.
1: That
0: may be, you know, an idea that you have. And yes, I can get you through to publication. but you know, it's, it's
1: the deeper stuff underneath that reason that we really work through. Mm-hmm. But then you do support them through the, you know, the, what happens next after the epilogue? Yeah. And, you know, that's actually a
0: really fun stage also. Um, I know, you know, because I've been traditionally published, self-published and um, vanity published, like I understand how to get involved with each one. I understand the pros and cons of each. Um, I know what it takes to, you know, what step you need to take in order to be self-published. So like I often tell my clients, you know, you work on the step you're on right now, knowing full well that or like trusting that I have your next step in mind. So you're not having to distract yourself by researching or or finding out like, well, what's an LCCN, you know, and things like that, where people will get really distracted. And I'll just tell them, like, I have a checklist for each of their work. Here's your next three steps toward publishing. You do that, you know, and then we'll meet again next week and see where you're at. And then Again, if they're not doing it, then we're able to like, okay, why didn't you do it? What's the deeper thing again? What what block are you facing now? You know, and then the worth will
1: come up, or um, nobody actually wants to hear this, or you know, whatever it is. Is that the most common block, like imposter syndrome? That's what it sounds like when they when they'll say it, you know. But then when we dive deeper, it's
0: something else. They're afraid that their dad's gonna read the book, or Maybe that nobody will read the book in their mm. circle, which is often true. Like most of the people I know don't own my books.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. It is such a vulnerable process, getting people to read your words and putting it out there, reviews, beta readers, all of those. You know, at every step, even in my critique group, I, when I sent it my link out recently, I was like, Ooh, what are they going to say?
0: Yeah. Something really fun that I heard recently is to go on to your favorite author's Amazon page and pick out your favorite book and go and look at their one star reviews on that book. Mm. And that will make you feel much better about your own critiques that you're receiving.
1: So, yeah. So speaking of tips and advice, like what advice then would you give to yourself? My number one bit of advice that I give to
0: myself and to any writer is just write. You got to start somewhere, just do it. Even if it's only for five minutes a day, you know, it's those turtle steps. You got to just write, sit down for five minutes if that's what it takes and you will get the thing written. That's the same advice I give myself. I, um, I'll even set a timer and, but every day for 30 minutes I'll write and whether that's reading or editing or, um, you know, whatever it is for my project right then I just take those 30 minutes. And then at the end of those 30 minutes or five minutes, if you have to go down to that, that's fine too. The end of those 30 minutes, I really check in with myself again. I bring it back to Mm. the somatic. You know, those sensations. Do I feel like stopping or do I feel like continuing? And if I feel like stopping, great, I've done my work for the day. And if I feel like continuing, awesome, I can do that too. But being really honest with yourself and checking in do I need to stop or do I need to continue? Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my own advice. And that's the advice
1: that I would give any writer. Yeah, that's a, a good reminder to, to listen to your body.
0: And, um, you know, for me, it feels like a tug. Like I can, I know when I'm done, you know, I'll be, even if I go over my 30 minutes and I'm just cranking away and all of a sudden I'll just feel this tug, like this internal tug. And that's my reminder, like, okay, time to get up. You know, even if I'm mid sentence or whatever, like my tug, I need to listen to it right away.
1: Yeah. I I love that. (laughs) So I feel like that's just so important to, I don't know, uh, the midlife. Almost call it like slog. Sometimes I feel that like, eh, what am I even doing? <laughs> I just want to go have a bath. I, I imagine that our, our mental like chemistry changes as we hit our forties, because I feel like it has. That I, I feel more things like anxiety or like mm, just lack of energy sometimes, and um, so it's almost like you need to be more conscious of of that. Whereas in the past, yeah, I would have just pushed myself onward. I always had so much energy, but um, I think that honoring that yourself and your mental well-being and your mental health in ways that you're appreciating and enjoying and savoring you know, throughout the process instead of doing things now for that delayed gratification are, are so much more important.
0: I don't know what point it is, but at some point, you know, we get sick of just the pushing through, you know, and at some point we're like, that's enough, Enough." (sighs) you know, I'm done just forcing myself to get the thing done. Yeah. At that point, that's a lot of times, and I am working with like a lot of people in their forties and I'm in my forties and, you know, it feels like at that time, people are like, okay, I need a new way, you know, like this every doing the step-by-step thing that culture has told me to do going to school, you know, um, getting married, having kids and finding a career like those things that has not brought me the happiness I was promised. Where is that? You know, and when it comes down to it, it's all within yourself. Like I said, it's not about the situations you find yourself in. It all comes down to how you're listening to your own truth. And um, Jackie, I think it's super cool that you're like, you know, pursuing all of these other things like podcasting and writing and like because it is sort of like that. Ooh, let's explore this and see what's happening over here, and let's explore this. And you, you, your body, um, is like literally saying
1: like, what do I want? How's this feel? Let's play with that a little bit and see where it goes. Right? Yeah, and I love that you, you said that. Of like about why it kind of hits you in your forties, because totally, I think that's what you know. I've, spurred me is I was like okay I have the two kids I have like now the house I always wanted I now have that the day job that I said I wanted and and then at a certain point I was like oh I still that bad I didn't get I didn't get that happiness thing what's wrong with me I know your your approach just really resonates for me on, on a lot of levels so yeah and with
0: all of that like writing can help you tap into what it is um, because you're experiencing that mirror. Even if you're writing fiction or whatever, like even the people I'm not coaching so much, like that's still within yourself. And like, how many authors is it? I think they've said like dozens of authors, including Stephen King has said they write in order to know what they're thinking, <laughs> you know? And I think that's really relevant. Like a lot of what we're writing is just figuring that piece out who am I? What am I doing here?
1: And oh my gosh, that was inside of me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for all that you've shared today with me and the, the listeners. It's been, yeah, quite profound. And I feel like you just really articulated and like untangled some of my own <laughs> thoughts around writing and purpose. And yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been <laughs> such a treat. Where can people get in touch with you?
0: They can find me at brooksmithlifecoach.com. Super easy.
1: <laughs> awesome. Wow. That was a pretty emotional and deep conversation. And I hope some of it resonated for you. It definitely made me think about what it is we are really talking about when we are writing and to remember that it's really important to keep that playfulness and not be overwhelmed by things like how am I going to market this book? How am I going to get this book picked up? Okay, so here are the top takeaways. Number one, if you don't know where to start, open up a blank page and stare at it for a few minutes and just see what comes up. Number two, have you ever considered what is your big why? What is your writing goal in life? Because it's probably not about travel and money. As Brooke says, it rarely is number three one of the amazing parts about writing a memoir or autobiography is being able to identify and let go of limiting self-beliefs number four on that same note untangling life events can help you discover what you actually believe to be true about yourself and number five if you are struggling with getting words down just set aside five minutes when the five minutes is up take a moment to check in with yourself. Do you feel like stopping or do you feel like continuing and really feel that in your body? Thank you so much for listening. If you can take a moment now to rate or review this podcast on Apple or Spotify, that really helps me continue to bring in great authors and coaches like Brooke. I will talk to you next week. In the meantime, happy writing.